You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome to... The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we are going to be doing a forensic soul analysis on Miss Lisa McGarity, an internationally respected and very powerful psychic medium. Miss McGarity is also owner of Envision Crystal, which is a metaphysical store on Long Island. It's very popular. All the men and women that go from the town board meetings and come out of church go right to her store. So she's well-known. And the reason why I wanted to bring her to your attention tonight is because she offers a lot of techniques and tools in order to help you manifest and bring into physical reality some of your biggest and deepest desires. She also works with a lot of people and helping them to heal. I met Miss McGarity about 11 years ago. And when I walked into her store, she pulled me aside and she said, look, the person that you're with wants to kill you and put your head on a stick. Now, I'm sure that you probably think my reaction was that of horror, but it was actually that of elation. I was so happy. I was like, oh, my God, she has the gift because that person told me they wanted to kill me and put my head on a stick earlier that morning. So it was exciting. And over the course of 11 years, we became good friends and we would sit down and meet for coffee, and I would ask her a bunch of questions. And I think that's where a big component of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show started to come into existence. It was just having in-depth conversations. Miss McGarity, like Laura, like Lisa, like Constance, and like Carrie, are very authentic. And that's what I love about them. And Miss McGarity in particular, I couldn't describe her as having a bigger heart. She's incredible. She's great at what she does. And so many people come to her and seek her advice on a daily basis. So without further ado, the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show proudly presents a forensic soul analysis on this Lisa McGarity. Our feature guest today on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show is a very unique and special individual. Her name is Miss Lisa McGarity. She's a globally respected psychic medium, and she is also the owner of a metaphysical store called Envision Crystal on Long Island, New York. You can learn more about Ms. McGarity by going to her website at lisamcgarity.com and learn about the store by going to that website at envisioncrystal.com. Welcome to the program, Ms. McGarity. Well, hello there, Ryan. How are you tonight? Doing unbelievable. It is a great honor to have you. Because there are a lot of people out in your field in the industry that you know have these special abilities and have this unique perception, and you've been honing your craft in a very unique way because I think that you incorporate so many elements into what you do to you know gain a greater perception. You um, you contact your guides, you incorporate various practices with candles, and I was wondering if you could just tell our audience what makes your psychic abilities unique. How do you receive unique communication? 
Well, I definitely am a person who's always been interested in spiritual things and the metaphysical part of life. So that's inborn inside me, and I had a lot of strong psychic experiences as a child. So it was just very natural as I got older and was able to really choose a path in life that I would be drawn to this field. I've been interested in meditation and prayer and things that other young people really weren't so interested in, you know, as far back as I can really remember. But as a child, I kept it very sort of hush-hush and secret. I used to, you know, stay up late at night reading books on spiritual subjects and, you know, really experimenting with metaphysics from a very young age. What was it about metaphysics that was interesting to you? Were you seeing things? Were you were you feeling things differently? Was there, what was the draw to you for it? I, you're, you're absolutely right, Ryan. Yeah, I was definitely seeing things and hearing things and experiencing things that it became real apparent to me that other people around me were not seeing or hearing. So at first I really thought, you know, I'm crazy. I must be crazy. Nobody else is having the experiences that I'm having. And if I do talk about them, you know, my family or the even teachers, friends would either look at me funny, like I was completely strange, or just kind of give me that, hey, we're not going to talk about that face, which kids are very tuned into and they know when they've misstepped. So I, I thought to myself, I've got to figure out what this is all about. You know, why is it that I'm I'm being visited by what other people call imaginary friends? Why is it that I'm up late at night, you know, hearing messages that turn out to come true, you know, early the next day? And I started reading books on psychology and religion. I was trying to figure out, you know, am I crazy or am I just interested in things that maybe other folks aren't quite as tuned to or aren't quite as interested in? No. A lot of kids, when they're developing, I guess what apparently they're, they're able to see some of these things, but then eventually they shut it off. How come it never got shut off for you? Why was it? Able, why were you able to? I don't know. I guess resist, and how were you still able to maintain your perception? I think that it really did change. I I did experience. It's very common, and we talk about it in the spiritual field. That around the age of seven. We call that the age of reason, and usually around about age seven, children start to become a little less imaginative and a lot more logical, and I think that's part of just human development. We need that. We need that logical point of view in order to be able to make our way in the world, and I did have a shift, I think, around first grade, second grade, where I became a little bit more logical, but then when I when I was older, when I started to be about 13 years old, it opened right back up again. And I'm not sure if that's just genetics, if that's my spiritual calling, you know, who could say exactly what it is that caused that to happen, but that's, that was my experience growing up. So were you in contact with any specific guide back when you were a child that you're still in contact now that was kind of leading you along? I did have a visitation when I was very young, about 14, that I can remember, that is a spirit guide I'm still working with today, yes. Okay, and now the spirit guide, is there any way to give a visual description of, of what these guides are? Are they angels? Are they departed loved ones? Are they ascended masters from various dimensions? Like, well, if you, so if you were to describe a visualization, of what, is it, what do they look like? And what occurs when you communicate? How do they communicate with you? Well, those are excellent questions. I don't believe that angels and spirit guides are the same thing. Um, You know, angels are a different creation. They're different from our human race. Um, They're here with us, and they're here to help us often. They have a lot of different jobs that have been given to them by the creator. 
But spirit guides are essentially evolved beings who come into the earth plane to work with specific individuals who are on, on the path toward evolution. doesn't mean I, I know so much more, I'm any more evolved than anybody else, but I am on purpose trying to evolve myself. And luckily, fortunately, there are spirits who are willing to help me along the way. And so that's what this relationship has really been about for me, is trying to grow myself as a better person, with a bigger heart, make wiser choices. That, that's what my relationship with my guides is, is really all sure. about. So if you were to communicate with your guides, would you, would, you actually want, would you actually visually see them? Would they communicate with you telepathically? Do you actually have conversations with them like the way we're talking about right now? I'm able to do both things. So I do go into a deep trance usually a few times per week, and in that deep, deep meditative space, it's very conversational, just the way you and I are talking now, only I'm the one asking all the questions when I'm in that space. And um, often at that time, other people will come in, different guides or different teachers from spirit will come in that I haven't necessarily ever known before. If I'm puzzling with a particular issue, I may meet with a spirit that can offer assistance on that issue. Um, but during the week when I'm running around and I'm being a mom and I'm being a, a shop owner, then my communication is much more of a telepathic nature. I may sort of mentally put a question out to them and wait to receive that answer. Sometimes the answer will come in a minute, and sometimes it won't come until way later on in the day. It's just kind of now moved into the normal flow of my day, so I don't give it a lot of thought the way I did when I was younger. Okay. Now these particular guides, that you is it, is it one guide or is it several guides that you're in communication with? I have one particular guide that um, comes most often and helps me the most and is my guardian spirit who's helping me walk through this lifetime. And then what's happened as my interests have grown and changed and as I've grown into an older, more mature person with, you know, um, different focuses, different spiritual teachers have kind of come and gone and shifted around in my life. I think it's a little bit like going to university. You might start out with, you know, a particular set of teachers, and then as you learn a little bit more, a new group shows up. So I'm always happy to meet with, with new teachers who can show me new things. That's great. And... Do you find that some of the people that you that you read for that have come into have they had the same spirit guides over again? I mean, do do, do many people that you've come in contact with actually change up their spirit guides as they go go to a different university? I have heard that from other people in the spiritual field. Yeah, I don't think I'm the only person with that experience. I think that's pretty common. I think what's happening with most people who are living their lives with maybe a little bit less of a spiritual focus. They're still, of course, interested in spiritual things, but maybe not spending as much time in meditation. What's going on for those folks is it's happening behind the scenes. They still have spirit guides who are encouraging them and leading them, and they definitely are receiving signs and receiving information. But rather than it being a one-on-one -on -one conversation that's happening during meditation or, or dreams, it'll come probably into their minds in a little bit more of a subtle way or an accidental way. And then the other thing that happens, and it happens to all of us, is we can be teachers for each other. Spirit will put people in your path that have something to show you or that can lead you in a new direction. That definitely happens all the time. That's really great. One of the things I'd like to bring to the listeners' attention is that I mentioned at the beginning of the show that, Lisa, you are the founder of, well, actually, you're the owner of a store called Envision Crystal. And when you go in this store, which you can learn more about online, or you know, some great products. 
you have a lot of candles, you have a lot of oils, you have a lot of things that are in there that people will utilize or use in order to get a physical manifestation or maybe um, you know a, a spiritual manifestation of something that they're seeking. How are the candles and the stones and some of the products that you have utilized in order to manifest a desired reaction or manifestation? Here at my shop, we have a lot of fun things. Um, you've been here a bunch of times, Ryan, so I know you know what we're all yeah. about over here. We sell candles. We sell oils that are prepared specially to help people with whatever they're trying to manifest. And the way that that works is that we sell people tools to help them tune in to the power that's already there inside of them and already there inside of the universe. So, for instance, if someone comes in and they really are looking for a brand-new job, they want to be out in the world and they want to be job hunting, we're going to help them pick out different types of um, candles, scents, oils, symbols, things that they can incorporate into their energy field. And then that will send out a resonance into the universe. That will send a message that says, hey, job seeker here, and this is the type of job I'm looking for. And that will help the new experience to be manifested more quickly, more smoothly, and it also helps someone go deep inside their own subconscious process, and that's where manifesting happens. It happens beneath the level of conscious mind. It happens really in the um, subconscious or the imagination realm of the mind. So if you can access that realm with something concrete, like a crystal or a talisman or a candle, then the ability to just manifest and make magic happen in your life is so much easier. And that's what we sell here, and that's what we help people with every day. Okay, and you have certain stones that you, you know, you, I think you have I don't know, 30 or 40 different stones that you have in your store. Mm-hmm. And I want to know if we could just explain to the listeners about what some of the purpose of a stone is. Is a stone operating at a certain vibrational frequency? And if a person holds on to that stone, is that stone kind of pull the person's energy up to the level of the stone for which it is and does that allow them but a temporary um, oscillation of the vibrational frequency of that stone inside their own energy field as they work with okay. the stone is that, that's yeah. what you're saying right yeah that's how I feel it works too I mean we li- we're definitely in a world that is completely and totally vibrating everything's moving so if if you're seeking, for instance, wisdom, and the simplest way to bring about more wisdom would be to just have a beautiful clear quartz crystal, which is very common. You know, most folks can find one in their backyard, if not, you know, at their local metaphysical shop. So that stone has a high, pristine, crisp, clear vibration, and it corresponds to wisdom in the universe. So if I'm holding my, my in fact, let me reach over and hold my clear crystal. I'm going to hold my clear crystal. My own energy is blending with the energy of the stone. We're touching and we're exchanging. So my atoms, my energy are interacting with the, with the energy that's coming from the stone, and we're both changed. I'm changing the stone, and the stone is changing, hopefully enhancing these two. Now, what if you have several stones? If you have a mixed bag of stones, do those stones in one way cancel each other out? And does the energy of the stones in any way, shape, or form kind of diminish? Is it, is it like one of those glow sticks where it only glows for a certain period of time before it needs to be recharged and needs to be discarded. I do think it's a great idea to recharge stones. I would never discard any stones because, to me, they're so precious and they have life inside them. They they have uh, their own spiritual force. But sometimes they do need a break. Sometimes they need a rest, like we all do. 
and sometimes they do need to be cleansed or cleared if you've really been working with them a lot, or even if you're just traveling a lot. For people who, you know, commute back and forth into an urban environment or do a lot of cross-country traveling, it's also possible for stones to pick up, you know, energies you don't want in them. So that's a good time to cleanse your crystals. But I would definitely not worry about carrying too many stones as long as your feeling tells you it's okay. You know, you can use your gut a little bit in terms of combinations, in terms of what to take with you on any given day. And the more you kind of go with your sense of what feels right, what seems to flow with your energy, the more you'll get the result you need and the more um, you'll have good intuition about what to use at what time. And at your store, people have the option of communicating or doing one-on-one session with you, and they have the ability of purchasing, they're called spells, and you put these uh, energy rituals together, and they're meant to attain a certain result. Can you please explain how the spell works? And is, is what you do something universally accepted? Is that something that anyone can do? Like, What is the purpose of a spell? And, and how what actually happens when you're working on a spell? What is ha- happening on an energetic level? I think the best way to understand what a spell is is to think of it as just a very, very focused prayer. It's a message you put out to God, to the creator, to the universe, and you would always work a spell in terms of, you know, in terms of positive energy, in terms of a positive affirmation. And when people contact me and they want help with spiritual challenges, normally what I do is very simple. I'll set a candle for them with their intention, and I'll add my own prayers, my own visualization, and my own affirmations to their intention and just kind of give it a little extra boost. So I do have clients who come back to me over and over again looking for different situations in their life that need resolution. And that's what I'm happy to do. It's one of the things that I do here at the shop. So what's some of the more common things that people are asking of you or asking of you to to manifest? You know, I don't know if there is a common thing, but I'll tell you what happened today. Um, Today I had a a woman who, of course, shall remain nameless, a really sweet woman, whose mother-in-law suddenly showed up. And since she showed up, she was arguing and fighting with her husband, and she thought, well, this is funny. We don't normally fight. And long story short, she heard through the family grapevine that that mother-in-law does practice magic in her native country. She was visiting here in the United States and would like to see the couple separated. So that's an unfortunate circumstance, and we definitely don't want to cause any disruption or harm in a family situation. But I, I did make a promise to her today, and I'll be working on it tonight, to pray for peace in her family and pray for understanding for all the people in the household. So that is one situation that happened today. But we do have folks who come in uh, looking for help with jobs lately, money, of course, because the economy is a little bit tight at the moment. Always love. We, we know that, you know, lovers need help sometimes, and they look for magical aid. And those are the types of things people come in for, but it really could be almost any situation. Can you Have you ever experienced something where a person is – being hampered by attaining something because they either have a, a, their guides are kind of blocking them or they actually have a ghost or a spirit that may be latching onto their energy field? Has that ever occurred? And there's a second part to that question. And the second part to that question is this, is do you think or feel that it is metaphysically like you know dangerous to go into a haunted area where there could be spirits walking around that are at a lower vibrational frequency that could potentially latch onto you. 
I definitely think that we have to protect all the time. Um, I, you know, I do, I do feel that the world is basically safe and most spirits are not dangerous. However, you know, our, our life here on planet Earth is just like water that goes right through a sponge. So there's always water in the sponge, and we always have spirits in our surroundings. It's a good idea to just do general spiritual cleansing every day, and if you feel like you may have picked up a friend or a traveler, as sometimes people like to say, then you would want to do a little bit more intense cleansing and maybe talk to someone who's a professional for some good ideas on how to let that spirit go and let them leave your energy. Sure, if they can't get to a professional, is there anything, is there anything they put on there, any oils that they stage? Like, what, what do you do to, to kind of like rid yourself of a spirit? And actually, how do you know if a spirit is latching onto you? I mean, you may just all of a sudden, you know, have a bad day all of a sudden, you may just have a mood swing, but you know, people may not realize it could be right. an outside uh, influencer. Right, absolutely. I mean, you know, we all have bad days. We all have little runs of bad luck. That's the human condition. So it's important not to jump to crazy crazy conclusions or to think you're hexed or jinxed or haunted just because, you know, two or three things went wrong in a row. But what I like to do and what I really recommend for my clients is a regular routine. I, um, I, for instance, I like to take a nice bath with three handfuls of sea salt, and I'll make the water nice and hot, and I pray over the salt before I put it in the bath. And I just get in there, soak, and pray as I go. I'm going to visualize white light moving through my energy field. I'm going to make very strong statements of safety, protection, health, well-being, and see myself completely sealed and and my aura nice and shiny, clean, and then step out of the bath. And that's something I do every single week, if not a couple of times a week. Now, maybe everyone out in the world who doesn't do the kind of work I do may not need to do it as often. But that's one of the things I do just to kind of keep my energy field clear and to keep on doing the type of work that I do. Another another idea, you know, for someone who doesn't want to be that elaborate even, would just be a real good, strong incense like sage. Um, in Europe, for instance, pine is used often for cleansing and for removing spirit attachments. So pine needles are great to burn. Sandalwood can be good to burn. Any of the incenses that have been burned traditionally throughout the world, you can burn that incense and pray and visualize your own energy field safe and release this okay. I'm just curious as to why certain oils automatically, I guess by nature, have a higher frequency. Why do, like, what, apparently told that lavender and dragon's blood have a, uh, a set high frequency. What, what, what is it, um, what is a, a composition of a stone or of an oil have anything to do with vibration? Why, why does that occur? Well, I definitely, my feeling is that um, we have to remember these oils come from the plant world, and there are certain plants that their spiritual purpose is to be a help and a blessing to the earth and to humankind as well. And lavender is a great example. Lavender is beneficial for so many different things. It's not expensive. It grows in many, many different climates. It's great for healing. It's great for psychic opening. It's also great for psychic protection. So it's a real sort of adaptogenic, universal scent and herb. Um, and then in terms of the stones, it's the same idea. They, they're here with their own evolutionary purpose. We may not think of crystals or stones as being living things, but they are a life form here on here on the planet, sharing the planet with us, and they are here in some ways to help too. So their evolution is at stake as well. So they're participating with us in in the evolution of consciousness. Okay. I don't know why this 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 idea just popped into my head, and I was wondering if, if your thoughts were about this. But 
at the beginning, you had said and talked about angels and how angels you know, have an influence on humanity. And I was wondering if you feel that angels kind of look like look at humans the way humans look like at pets. That you know the pets know that we're there, that we love them. Maybe they can't have a direct communication, but at the same time, as big as our pets are, they're not the center of our universe. Does that same thing occur with angels? I mean, are, are we a huge part of the angels' evolution and their existence, or are we just kind of like you know a pet to them? Well, I don't think they're more powerful than we are. I think they're differently powerful than we are. So they're they're definitely created by God for certain purposes. They have certain jobs, just like human beings have certain jobs. And I, I don't think that they see us as um, less than or as they may think we're a little um, silly or ridiculous in terms of the things that we focus on and what we think is important. But I do feel that they are primarily beings of love, doing their part in the in the world, in the in the creation. And I wouldn't say that they look down on us. That hasn't been my experience anyway. I understand what you're saying, though. We do seem ridiculous when you when you get a bird's eye view. I imagine I, I imagine that we are a great reality show. To them. Mm-hmm. Security. Someone's watching, I'm sure. <laughs> watching, if it's not the angels, it's the NSA. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, Security. What's the hardest experience you ever had to? Uh, sorry, I want to say this. So what was the most difficult tribulation you, you've ever had in your life, and how did your perception? I guess, guide you through a greater understanding of what that tribulation was? You know, I think one of the most difficult things that I've been through actually happened recently in my adult life. Just like everyone, I had things happen when I was a child, sure. But in my adult life, unfortunately, I went through a time of really being under um, a type of psychic oppression or psychic attack. And it really was specifically coming from another individual. And I don't really talk about this too much, but you're asking me, so I guess I'll just make mention of it. I didn't realize it was happening because I'm a real logical type of person. So I'm always looking for the logical, most natural kind of answer. And only when I finally opened my eyes to, wait a second, there is this person in my life who may not be wishing me well. Boom, boom, boom. Then did everything click into place, and I was really able to walk through it. I view that period of my life as, and it's just kind of finishing up now within the last year or so. But I do view that time in my life as a gift. It made me much stronger spiritually, much clearer. And I do see that God led me right through that experience in order to make me a stronger spiritual worker. But while it was going on, it was very so, confusing. You know, I want to – can you please explain a little bit uh, some of the details about what, what you're actually feeling and experiencing? And also – bring up to our listeners' attention to see if they may be under a similar type of circumstance, if they are being attacked by someone. What are some of the signs and what some of the signs that you are going through? That's a really good good question because I think it actually happens more often than we we realize or we ascertain. And, you know, I wouldn't always say it's not always a conscious, deliberate, goodness, you know, someone's focused on you with magical or spiritual intent. Most of the time, no, that's not the case. But even little little events, little conflicts can create negative energy and streams of negative energy in between people. It can happen with family members. It can happen with coworkers. In certain cultures, they may call that the evil eye because of envy. There's this negative energy that can come into your life and kind of cause you to lose focus. And that, that is something that happens. You know, human beings have very strong willpower. They can get frustrated with each other, and sometimes consciously, mostly unconsciously, they can hurt each other. 
So some of the signs that you would look for would be um, sort of vague, chronic illness signs that don't have a good cause. Of course, you should always check it out with a healthcare practitioner, but if you have recurring headaches or fatigue, drowsiness, interrupted sleep, that's another big sign, someone who continually can't get a full night's sleep or wakes up at strange hours, or um, fatigue for no reason, that can be another sign, or confusing messages that are kind of coming into your mind, thoughts that don't seem like your own thoughts. Those are all very, very strong signs of psychic influence. I won't even say psychic attack, because that really happens very rarely. It's not a normal thing that happens. Well, it's often, kind of like a foreign thought would be if you have your acquaintance with a peaceful person, next thing you know, you're getting thoughts of like doing something horrific and it's just hitting you for no reason. Right, and you know yourself well enough to say, wait a second, that's not my mind. Where is that coming from? That's not how I normally and, think and about things. And what is things. that? Is it, um, is it somebody who's angry and focusing anger towards you and you're you being hit with the anger that they are sending you? Is that what it is? That can be exactly okay. the case, yes, definitely. And that's why we need to also protect when we're moving through crowded places, which brings me back to your earlier question. You know, can you pick something up? Yes, you can. There are lots of, you know, upset, sad, mad folks out there in the world. And if you're moving through, you know, a lot of strangers, you can also pick up this kind of negative energy as well. Okay. And, Spaghetti, I would like to just share with the listeners two techniques that you actually taught me. And when it comes to working with people who may be sending you negative energy because I thought these were great and you, they were, you taught me a long time ago and they, I still use right. them to this day. Okay. One of the first things you had said was if somebody is, is sending something towards you, you, you take their picture and you fill it up in a cup of water and you put it in the freezer so you freeze them out. And that's, right. I mean, and the other one you said was you take a candle you you say one candle is you, one candle is the other person. You've got a silver ribbon, and you kind of pull them apart, and eventually you, you cut the cord. When you are doing these things, what is the significance of that? What is um what is the difference between doing that and just wishing to not have any affiliation with that person? What is what you're doing by doing these visual examples? Is that more powerful? Is that more significant? Well, the little candle ritual you realize I didn't realize I ever taught you that. That's interesting. You're being represented by one candle, and your your adversary, let's say, is being represented by the other candle. And the silver cord is actually symbolic of the energy cord between the two of you. So this is a situation where you, you're not trying to wish the other person any harm. You don't want any bad things to happen to them. But you're just acknowledging, yes, we have a connection. It's not the most positive connection. And so you're taking control of the situation. You know, if anyone's going to try this, um, spell, I would really recommend that you, you know, go slow, take a few deep breaths, surround yourself with white light while you're working, and really speak to creator about what you'd like to have happen, what your reasoning is, and then ritually click, you're going to snip that cord, and you'll make a statement, you know, I, I wish you well, Joe Brown, whoever your, your troubling person is, you know, you walk your path, I'll walk mine, we separate now in peace. And you're just kind of putting it out there to the universe of there must be a way the two of us can be separated that causes no harm. It doesn't harm him. It doesn't harm me either. So that's really what we do. And click, we're actually clicking the ethereal cord that connects the two by, by reinforcing the intention. Like, I have an intention. I don't want to be with this person anymore. And doing the ritual act will actually underscore and reinforce that intention to the universe and make it very clear. Great. And Sigari, if people are coming to your store and they wish to make uh, an appointment with you, 
most of the time they're going to find that you're booked out months in advance. And I think that's because you, you, know, you built up a really big reputation over the years of being very good and very successful at what you do. And when you do a reading with someone, you're able to communicate or facilitate messages with people who've departed. Why do people or spirits come through? Why, what are some of the most biggest reasons why a spirit will need to present itself or communicate with a person who's living? I think it's the bonds of love, Ryan. You know, I think that love really, you know, conquers death. Love is stronger than death, and it causes moms and dads and grandmoms and friends and beloved people to come back to check on the folks they left behind and to try to offer some kind of message of hope, comfort, protection, love. Sometimes they need to make peace if there was a situation that wasn't resolved before they died. But more often than not, it's really just to express their love and affection for one another. Okay. And how are you able to read into a person's past lives and read into how a person had a previous past life? Is that do, do, you, do your guides tell you or do they show you a visualization of what the person went through? How is there a particular process that you go through for reading a person's past lives? Yes. If someone really wants to know about their past life, I will – you know, request information from my spirit guides. And whenever I'm reading with someone, my guides are in communication with their guides. So the lifetime or the information that most needs to come out is what they show me. And it's shown to me almost like a little snippet of a movie with the important information being told to me and why that lifetime is currently influencing this lifetime. So it's something I do sometimes bring up when I'm reading for people. Okay. And um, you know, Amos, again, I realize it's, it's 32 minutes. Is there a possibility of asking a few more quick questions? Sure, of course. I, I just I want to make sure we cover everything, we get everything out here. And um, yeah. is there also, too, before we go into any further, is there anything that I'm not touching upon that you want to bring out as well? Is there any particular feel area? No. Oh, goodness, I don't know. You asked good okay. questions. <laughs> I think it's good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll do this again. We'll come back to it. And okay. and three, two, one. Mr. Garrity, what was the most unusual experience you ever had reading someone? Hmm. You know, I, so many. I can't even answer that because so many crazy things happen here every single week. But last week, I remember um, I had two people come in who, um, a mother and a daughter, and mom spoke English, but her English wasn't terrific and so she brought her adult daughter along to be a translator so they were sitting here but of course it was one extra step in the reading and it was taking a little time for me to adjust and tune in to um, the person they wanted to speak to and in the middle of that someone came through with very specific details and was insisting and it was a female energy and she was being very loud and she was insisting to me that no no I had to I had to hear from her and it occurred to me, you know, I think it's someone downstairs in the shop. And if you've been to my shop, Brian, but my, my tiny store has a little spiral staircase that goes up to the space where I read. So I ran down the spiral staircase, and sure enough, there were a few people downstairs in the store, and I started to explain to them, you know, I have a woman here, and she's explaining to me that she couldn't speak before she passed, and she wasn't able to leave the house. And there were about four or five people standing in the store, and there were two young women. They were in their early 20s, I would say. And the one was the friend kind of pushing her friend like, hey, it's you. And the friend just stood there frozen, and she was kind of shaking her head. I, 
And I knew it was for her, but I didn't want to embarrass her, so I invited her to come outside with me, and Zoom, I gave her a big, nice, long uh, reading from her deceased mom. Her mom had passed away several years ago. And what was amazing about that, not just that her mom came and, you know, got my attention in the midst of somebody else's reading, which I say, hey, go mom, she was pretty cool, but the the coincidence is she was supposed to be in a different town. She was supposed to be in a bus that was leaving town at the time and said, no, no, I'm just going to stay a little longer. Then she took a left turn instead of a right turn and ended up standing in my store. And those kinds of stories really reinvigorate me when it comes to my work. And I think, wow, you know, sometimes something really fantastic is going on here, and I need to remember, too, that, you know, I'm being used, and I'm, and I'm happy to be used. I'm more than happy to be used to help folks out. But this young woman really needed that message, and her mom, through the power of love and through her ferocious soul, her spiritual personality, was able to get the message across, which was great. So that's that's the sort of thing that happens here sometimes. Okay, and when, that's, a, that's a really great story, and uh, it's, it's probably one of yeah. the many that have occurred. And if somebody dies, if you are going to advise them, what do you write? I mean, is it, I'm sorry, let me phrase this question. If somebody, I'm advising you to death now. <laughs> if, if somebody, if somebody dies, and you know they're they're making the transition from their physical body into their spirit, what are some of the things that they should be aware of? I mean, do, is it do you feel that sometimes that spirits remain on Earth because they don't follow the proper steps to properly transition from um, into the spirit reality? Do they make some missteps by sticking around for too long? Uh, is there anything you recommend right. for spirits to uh, to do when they pass in order for them for their uh, to go to a very celestial happy place? Right. You know, the longer I'm doing this kind of work and the longer I'm talking to deceased folks, the more I realize there's a million ways to pass over. There's not just one way to do it. Just like the way we do everything different here on Earth as we depart from Earth, it can be just as diverse. I do feel, though, that people that have a strong spiritual connection – doesn't matter what faith, but some kind of connection with God, goddess, with creator, have a much easier time moving into spirit. I, I don't know why that is. I think they just maybe already have an idea in their mind that it's going to be okay, that when they die one day, they will go to the next place. Whereas folks who don't have any type of connection and are very cynical or uncertain about the reality of God seem to struggle a little bit more. And that's what they report to me when they come through to me and speak to me. So that just seems to be the experience that they have. Some people go right to family members. Some people, when they cross over, go straight to particular um, destinations that they visualize in their mind. You know, everyone's experience is just a little bit different. As if there was one thing I would say is, you know, we all live with the reality that we could die suddenly or we could die by accident. That That also seems to be another time that human beings have a tough time transitioning. It's one thing if you've been ill for a while and you know, wow, I'm near the end of my life, but if you suddenly have a car accident or if you're suddenly involved in some sort of, you know, mishap, that can be real tough and tricky. It can even take someone, you know, what seems in our time a day or longer to understand that they really are deceased. But to just kind of relax into the experience and let God's love take over, you will end up where you need to be, and there will be guides and helpers there to get you where you belong. So when you see people, do you actually see sometimes people that actually have a set expiration date? Like maybe they have a clock over the top of their head saying, you know, how many, like a, a countdown clock to when they're... 35 minutes yeah. left? Yeah. No, I, I've never had never that had experience. experience. No. I have, no. Mm -mm. And lastly, Ms. McGarty, 
in the course of your life, what would you say would be, you know, some of the greatest insights that you've uh, observed about your life, about life in general? Well, the number one thing, the thing that we all need to remember every single day is that life is meant to be fun. We're supposed to be having a good time here. We should be enjoying ourselves. We should be laughing. We should be good to each other. But it's meant to be fun. So don't take it so seriously. That's really the, the underscore of everything I try to do. Miss Lisa McGarity, it was a great honor to have you on our program today. Very fascinating interview. I mean, to learn more about Miss McGarity by going to her website at Lisa, L-A-S-A, McGarity, McGarity.com. And you can go to her website for Envision Crystal at EnvisionCrystal.com. And you can also hear Miss McGarity on several of our Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show programs where she's uh, been featured as an analyst. So I uh, can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Thank you so much for being with us, Miss McGarity. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Joining us now is globally respected, internationally respected psychic medium, Miss Carrie O'Connor. We can learn more about Ms. Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Ms. O'Connor, what can you tell us about Ms. Lisa McGarity? I love Lisa's energy, Ryan. As soon as I tapped into it, I saw a lot of elemental fairy energy around her. I see, see a lot of tree energy around her. It looks like, imagine the image of just the most beautiful meadow with a river going through, and I saw her energy standing there, and she looks like she has these little... Um, Wings, so she's got a lot of fairy energy that I call it, very elemental. I see that there's a lot of wizard energy around her. I know she's been a psychic for many, many lifetimes. She's a very, very old soul. And what I always look for is to see if a person is really connected to their heart, and she's absolutely has a huge connection to, the, to her heart. So she's a lovely person. Excellent. And as far did you pick up anything about her previous life incarnations? One that came in the first when I was scanning her lifetimes it was that during the Spanish Inquisition, she definitely um, was in South America. She she tried to protect the people where she was supposed to go in there and um, revert the people to Catholicism, and she jumped ship. She The shamans taught her stuff that she absolutely could not deny was real, and so she went to the other side, and she had a very big high position of power, and so for her to be able to um, try to get other people to... Um, to not see such a rare, um, narrow way. That's a life lesson about being able to see, see, see beyond duality. So that lifetime was particularly strong and influential because she went dying with I will for her cause, and her cause totally flipped. As much as she was um, there to put, teach the shamans Catholicism and she or Christianity and the belief of that, when she saw the different, the whole big picture of it. She jumped in with her whole heart into it. Um, sure. Yeah, beautiful. And with this lifetime, was she a nun? She had strong... I saw her as a male, but I do know she's had lifetimes as... Um, that's where I saw a lifetime as a nun, as Mother Superior, like in this abbey over in Europe, France, actually. And that she... That lifetime, I see her looking out and feeling like a sense of completeness and stuff, but there's a sadness because there's a part of her that she's got a void. She felt like she um, was was put into nunhood because somebody in the family had to be. It was like, you know what, you're the woman, you're born in the family, you ha- you're required to be the nun, which happened a lot. Still can happen. In the Irish Catholic family, I have friends that they had a brother, and the first brother, he was going to be a priest, whether he wanted to or not. 
So that Abby part was bittersweet. This lifetime that she keeps on show, showing me, and it has a strong influence with her. When I see that aspect of her, imagine when we have other lives, when people are reading other lives, to me it looks like the, that aspect of her is standing right behind her. That, that energy has a lot of gold, and that part about lifetime really affected her. Anytime, Ryan, when she felt any kind of um, controversy, let's say she has the New Age store, store in um, Port Jess, right? Um, and let's yep. say some people poo-pooed the store or, or made fun of New Age or whatever. She would go toe-to-toe with them, look right through them, and not be, um, get bothered about uh, people's opinions of her. Warriors. Oh, not afraid to back down in that, that lifetime if she comes with a big voice to allowing people and encouraging people to be free. Free to me is like going beyond duality. And as far as this lifetime goes, was this physical, do you feel this physical life incarnation, the one now, was that of a necessity or more of that of a safari? <laughs> I like that question. <laughs> Part of it is it was a necessity because she had to come down here knowing that we, in this lifetime, all of us, humanity, is facing the time to end duality and for big change, for us to wake up, to go beyond the matrix. So she lined up to be here, but she knew it was going to be a safari. She knew it was going to be, you know, to be a forerunner as humanity is changing out of a pattern that we've been in for so long it, and to be able to be one of the first people that break down that grid, to go through the matrix, you could say, or go through the veil, and to still to anchor it and not um, – she won't turn down the volume to what she thinks. Sometimes people, if they're around certain people or situations, they kind of act invisible or they, you know, they'll go with the crowd because they don't want to stick out, especially if they had many lifetimes where they were tortured or burned to the stake because of, of what they um, believed in. She came in here to help people to – see the other side, it's like breaking through the um, duality. That's where the books would come in, the classes and all that, um, to be able to have people go into her shop and she could guide them very intuitively to what, what could go to them directly. Some people break out of duality by finding angels. Other people do it through rocks and crystals. Other do it by studying shamanism. Other people, Buddhism. All these different roadways bring us back to ourselves, and she's very attuned to help people find their way on the path, and then she kind of just gives them the, the tools, and then she steps back. She's not invested. Some some teachers, they drag you, or they're really invested. The person doesn't follow my way. You know, they get really invested in their way. She's not like that at all. Excellent. Miss Carrie O'Connor, thank you so much for that beautiful and uh, comprehensive analysis on Miss Lisa McGarity. And to learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor and to, to actually get a reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor, you can also learn about some of the classes that Ms. O'Connor is teaching. Please go to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Thank you so much, Ms. O'Connor. Thank you, Ryan. It's always my pleasure. Joining us now is the angel reader, Miss Laura Lynn, globally respected psychic medium. You can learn more about Miss Lynn by going to her website at angelreader.net. Miss Lynn. What can you tell us about Miss Lisa McGarity? Well, I it was really a pleasure to hear her her story and what she does. I was taken really kind of quickly about the the past life as far as what I'm picturing or was picking up was that she was into witchery into uh, magics uh, quite long ago, and uh, they would have called her a wise one. What she does well 
fell and what she did well at the time was work with the elements, work with the earth. And she does seem to have a wonderful way of interpreting the energy and feeling it and not only hearing the voice of the element, but feeling it deep within her soul. So she interprets the, the energy that's all around her and works within the soul essence of her her life, not only from this particular life, but she goes deep into several different facets of it. And that's what I found is interesting is that I do believe that she did work with magics um, on several different levels, maybe one time with being a medicine woman. Uh, I do see her in front of this beautiful cauldron with uh, herbs and Look was there a particular feet. time frame that you picked up on for this one? Well, it's more about what I'm seeing is, is like Mexico, and I don't know how to determine when it was because it's hard to just from what she, what the woman's wearing, the feeling I'm getting maybe early 1900s, uh, in shamanic shamanic energies associated with that or um, in medicine woman type. Um, energy and before that I do believe um, that there was some energy Celtic uh, past with her perhaps in the 1700s 1800s era um, definitely working with the the pagan influence and I do feel like she was uh, represented the the culture and the village very well. I believe there was many people that went to her to help her, for them, her to help them with uh, different remedies and, you know, if they had a cold or had some type of, cons- you know, consumption moving in, she would be able to help them to to help the immune system get strong. So, you know, let's just say like a village doctor type. Um, and then the third aspect. Any- can I, I'm going to keep on going as I'm in the flow with her. Um, the third one I do have that I'm tapping into pretty strong was a male. She was a male. And I feel like this was completely away from her spiritual assets that we're talking about here. This is more um, physical work, hard work, um, like lumber, uh, working you know, to clear the fields. So that's what I'm capturing. Now, what were you going to ask? I'm sorry. What I wanted to ask is what were maybe a couple of the prime reasons why uh, Ms. McGarity came into this life, this physical life? What were the purposes behind this life incarnation? It's because she has mastered this well, uh, the work that she's done with working with the elements, the fire in particular. She really came here out of respect for people because she knows she can help them. She knows that she has something to offer, especially in the a community where she lives. Uh, there's so many people that um, very high, lives very high stress lifestyles, and you know she's there to offer uh, to that community uh, an approach that is that's maybe a little unorthodox in our you know in the in our, what we think that that's, oh gosh, Ryan, I'm sorry, I got kind of lost there. Um, Well, what I'm trying to say here is that she is doing something for somebody 
for for many, many, many people that is a little bit out of the box of what we consider quote normal. Okay. She is she is able to tap into people through the fire, through the candle work, very specific healing. And this was very generous of her to be able to do this, to do this, to choose to be here again. It was very generous of her because she could have decided to stay in the midst of the, the realm, the specter of the heaven sphere to be a guide, you know, to work through that mastery. And I so, feel like that would have been easier for her. What but is this she chose this. What is so what, what you're saying that prior to this, she was in a uh, celestial heavenly like realm. In that in between life stage, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. She she so did she, work as a uh, as a guide. She's already done that, and and she enjoyed that work too. But she wanted to come back in the physical realm to help people, specific people, to find themselves. And you know, this is this is something where to to me it's a sacrifice. She she sacrificed that that essence of being able to be in that that easy breezy space. Um, she came back here to the physical realm, which is much more dense and it's difficult. It's a difficult journey on the physical, but she did it and uh, um, to help people to rise to, so that they can master their own uh, life path. Thank you so much, Miss Laurelyn. That was a fantastic and interesting analysis on Miss Lisa McGarity. And to learn more about Miss Laurelyn, the Angel Reader. Please go to our website at angelreader.net. Thank you so much, Ms. Lynn. Thank you, Ryan. Joining us now is the astrophenom, our astrologer, Ms. Constance Stellis. You can learn more about Ms. Stellis by going to her website at constancestellis.com. Ms. Stellis, what do the stars have in store for Ms. Lisa McGarity? Well, quite a bit, actually. But let's talk about who and what she is astrologically before we look into the future. Um, Because a chart, her chart, anyone's chart, is basically an energy map. uh, And the way the planets are arranged reveals the soul, the energy, the talents, abilities of each person. When we ask about what's in store for someone, we take that basic map and see what's happening currently in the heavens and how it relates to your chart or Lisa's chart, and that gives us um, astrologers an idea of what uh, uh, is coming up and even if we want to go back in the past, what has happened. So that's kind of a simple way that it works. Now, Lisa is a Pisces. And she has the moon sign of Sagittarius, which is very interesting because Pisces and Sagittarius were both ruled by Jupiter in ancient times. Uh, Why did it change? Well, the ancients couldn't see with the naked eye farther than uh, Saturn. That was the last planet they knew about. And subsequently, through the 1700s, 1800s, and then in 1930 with Pluto, we found uh, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. There are probably other planets out there, but so far we're dealing with just these. But to go back to Lisa's chart, this is a, a double blessing, so to speak, because her moon sign and her sun sign have the same ruling planet, which is Jupiter head of all the gods, um, 
uh, expansion, um, generosity, and bigness uh, in in whatever endeavors that a person um, uh, goes through. And I was um, interested to hear you say that she has a shop because she is um, she is a talented, um, uh, let's say, occult reader. I don't know exactly how she gets her information, but she has that talent. And she's also quite a good businesswoman. So she can take her her um, abilities and focus it on her shop and um, giving things to people or selling things that they that they need, and uh, that should uh, do very well. Um, I guess it is doing very well. She also has a great deal of writing talent. I don't know if she she writes books, um, but or blogs or something. Books are already moving to to be quite um, old-fashioned. And um, let's say her higher mind, the source of her inspiration, is um, uh, multi-leveled. And I would say that it took her a good number of years to get um, in control, loosely control, of her abilities. So she, she might have been pretty confused for a while. And then started to clear up some things uh, in uh, how she receives her messages and what she does with them. If we think about Lisa's uh, past lives, she definitely was a religious um, person. Um, and, you know, way back when, there was no New Age religion. There was only a couple of religions. And through lifetimes, she probably participated in many of them, both Christianity and Judaism, and uh, was perhaps a high-ranking person in the church. And now she's kind of a freefall, you know. <laughs> it's more her own thing and what she wants to, to share with, uh, with people. Is there any particular reason why you can gauge based on her chart as to why a person would make such a transition or such a distinctive kind of pivot? Oh, you mean from from religion to business? Right. Yeah. Well, religion to business um, also, well it's. I mean, she's not only a business person. I mean, I, I don't think that she would want to be uh, the the he- head of IBM. She's a very selective business person, but the rules of the earth are that we must make our living, and. Um, in years, uh, centuries gone by, clergy, religious people were supported by the society. Sometimes there was a lot of corruption, but the monasteries, the nunneries, the church was a place where you could make your living or have your living given to you. Now, there are very few people today that choose that route. Some do. So for the most part... Uh, we don't have royalty in this country. We don't have patrons. Um, so everybody's kind of got to fend for themselves. Now, spiritually speaking, uh, it is an exercise in self-reliance rather than dependence that a soul would choose that um, that path. And always in astrology, we look to the north and the south nodes, which are not planets, but positions on the moon's um, ecliptic to see what the accumulated um, um, past life karma, if you want to say it, or, or experience was, and what this lifetime is about. And in Lisa's chart, her uh, accumulated experience was the south node in Libra, 
Libra being the sign of partnership, um, dependent even in a way on partnership, and very much enmeshed in other people's support of her. And this lifetime, the North Node, which is where she's going this time around, is in Aries, which is the original me first, do it my way uh, sign. And so that kind of self-reliance rather than um, other or partnership-oriented is one of her um, challenges uh, this, uh, in, in this lifetime. And making a living and doing something concrete in addition to her um, channeling um, skills is, is part of that. So it's Miss. not you can I just want to say one thing. You can't say, Oh, she's in business, she's a lower, lower, more lowly evolved person. It's not true. There's all sorts of lessons to be learned. <laughs> oh, I think it was great. Yeah, it makes total sense. Miss mm-hmm. Constance Stellis, the astrophenom, that was a great analysis. Very insightful and uh, I'm sure Mr. Gary is gonna find it interesting. Good. To learn more about Miss Constance Stellis and to get a chart reading done with Miss Constance Stellis, please go to our website at constancestellis.com. Thank you so much, Miss Stellis. My pleasure. My pleasure. Joining us now is globally respected psychic medium, Miss Lisa Kaza. You can learn more about Miss Kaza. You can get a Exceptional reading with Miss Kaza by going to her website at lisakaza.com. Miss Kaza, what can you tell us about Miss Lisa McGarity? Well, I found it very interesting that I, for for once, actually didn't even need to hear your interview. Um, I, I listened to it after the fact, kind of thing. I already kind of did my my analysis and then and then listened to it. So it just kind of confirmed what I had already picked up, apparently. Um, well, I was really struck uh, immediately that her, the feeling of her energy was very similar to my own in many respects. And once I delved in a bit deeper into that, because I wanted to know why, because it, of course like that doesn't happen all that often. So I was curious, of course, you know me by now. And I I noticed that her... It's what I call her, like the the main trajectory of her spirit as a as a whole, almost identical to my own, in terms of past lives that have that have been lived. And so once I once I realized that that then right away I was getting just flashes of the different past lives, and I, I found it actually kind of fun because I, I found myself going, hey, I've been there, I've done that, I hey, I've been there too, I've done well, that too. So, but so, so you may, you think you may be related because you're you you both have the same name. Well, and you're both you're both female. I mean, those are two big things that have in common. Lisa well, this and, is true, but <laughs> I don't I don't think that that's uh, um, relevant. It's just, that part, I guess, is coincidence. But you both breathe oxygen. Yes, that's that's, another. Very true. Yeah, big thing. Correlation, yes. Yes, very true. That's it. I see, um, for example, like it, I'm pretty much telling my own, <coughs> excuse me, Ryan. I'm pretty much telling my own story when I'm talking about Lisa. Like I see, you know, like she's got extremely strong Irish ties where, you know, she was uh, with the ancient Celtic 
times in Ireland. Uh, I feel that she's actually a reborn ancestor of her, of her, so like a a great aunt, like 14 times removed, but you get the point. And then I see another lifetime of service of her having been a nun, and you know that lifetime carried on into this one where I see her as a child, you know, really questioning religion and the validity of religion. So it wouldn't, you know, surprise me if she were to, to say to us that she most likely, you know, she was searching for truth at that, at that point throughout her childhood and her teenage years. She was most likely lo- looking for this, you know, truth. She wanted the truth of what really happened and what is the true religion, of course, there's no such thing as a true religion. All paths ultimately lead to the same end. But so I see her as, you know, going here and going there, trying to search out answers. And that's because of that lifetime of services being a nun. And then there's another. She was a, she was a nun. Wow. She was, yeah. And then, um, you know, another lifetime. She was Native American artisan and healer. And then I see another lifetime as an Egyptian uh, gemstones at that point, especially ancient Egyptians, they, they really, really um, worked with uh, gemstones very strongly. But the thing is with Lisa, I feel that uh, oh, it's a, the, the blue, it's a blue stone, a lapis lazuli, calls to her very strongly, I feel, in this lifetime. And that's a clue, actually. I, can't, I couldn't get confirmation of this, but... Um, that stone, that particular stone, was uh, most notably worn by ladies of royalty to promote enlightenment and awareness. So there's something there in the Egyptian line of Lisa's that, um, like I said, I couldn't get confirmation of it, but the, the lapis lazuli stone is giving us that little hint of a clue. So, Ms. Kaza, what are some of the other path labs you see about uh, Ms. McGarity? Well, that, like I said, it was uh, just a lot of flashes and, and very similar to my own. There was also another one, for example, that I saw. She was, I hear the words old religion. She was practicing the old religion, but in England. Um, so in the times of, for example, like it, it's pretty darn close to the time of, of Henry VIII or just, just immediately after. Um, so it would be under the reign of uh, Mary. And, well, like a lot of folks that we see back in, in that time uh, practicing the quote-unquote old religion, you know, being the healer and, and uh, uh, spellmaker, that kind of thing, she was persecuted as a result. Um, so that's why, you know, too, like a, a lot of things uh, that happened in, in a lot of, in the majority of her past lives of course, seep uh, through to, into this one, just like, again, just like my own. So as a child, you know, she was very hush-hush about it. She, um, you know, read up on what she could in her own time, didn't talk too much to, to other people about it. And it's, you know, it's not just the influence of her parents or friends or, or things like that. It's also, you got to realize the deeply embedded memory of that particular past life. But all of these past lives, whether it was, you know, in, in Egypt or um, Native American, or as mentioned, like I, I also saw her as having been a nun in, in another lifetime, 
um, all of them, they have, as a result, made her extremely strongly connected to the elemental realms. So, you know, fairies and, and the gemstones and nature and, and um, so she's got, you know, also the, the unconditional love and the and acceptance, the huge giving charitable heart. She's got all of those influences are, are, are from the past lives are coming in to, to this lifetime. And like I do see, like, because um, whether it was her being a Native American healer or um, the Egyptian or what have you, it doesn't really matter. It's it, it, all of those experiences have formed who she is today and her ability. She has got many different gifts or abilities. She she does the mediumship, um, you know, predictions, and of course uh, the healing. And the thing is, it's her strength is actually in the healing aspect of her abilities. So you know, with the you know, she, I I do realize that she works with um, with candles and you know, doing particular uh, spells, which actually I have to say that I give her a lot of credit for. She um, is very ethical about her spell uh, spells and then the candle works. Um, where she did, when I what I mean by ethical is that she she knows the quote unquote law where. You you just you cannot bind one's will onto your own. The the very moment that you do that, well that creates well I guess you could say bad karma on you. It's just and that's when spells ulti- ultimately don't work. And I never did really agree with you know spell making or, or candle works and and stuff like that because of that principle. But Lisa does it in such a way that is very ethical. And it works because it's personal to that one person. It doesn't um, influence another individual's spirit or karma or will. So I really, um, she, I have to give her a lot of honor and respect for her work in, in that. Um, Is there any particular reason why you sent that? Why she came back for this life incarnation? Was there any specific reason or purpose for her to come back? Well. It's it, all-encompassing, you know, with her, all of her past lives. As I had mentioned earlier, you know, she, as a child in this lifetime, she was a truth seeker. Um, you know, there is, if you reflect over the past lives that I briefly revealed, whether it's, you know, being a, a Catholic nun or a Native American or ancient Egyptian or even, you know, the ancient Celtic uh, lifetime, they all have different... Um, what do you want to say, like principles and teachings and and practices. And what she has done is she has, once again, just like myself, because I, I kind of did have done the same thing, is where she took what she felt to be as truth and kept that with her, that wisdom. And then she left the rest. And what she's done is she's combined it all, all of this wisdom, all this combined uh, teachings and wisdom to form her own um uh, form of of healing and and services, and so that's why she has come into this lifetime today to offer all that she has gained and learned throughout all of the entire different lifetimes that she's that she's had. It's to combine everything all together 
and well pretty much poof there there it's it's out there into the world and that's that's what she's here to do she's here to offer uh what she feels to be and which i i, I would have to agree with uh one of the strongest forms of of healing and you know it's it's more it feels more truthful to her heart and when something feels true to a person and their spirit and their heart that's when it, when it's the most powerful so that's what she's here for today. And the last thing that I had picked up on was, as mentioned, like I feel she's extremely connected to nature. So in, in, in the elemental realms. So in, in, in doing that, I've, I got the message quite clearly, and this is very rare for me as well, but whenever she, for example, does um, you know, the, her work with the gemstones, I see a lot of uh, the Ascended Master, Epona, surrounding her quite frequently, guiding her in her healing with the gemstones. And it's interesting because Epona is an ancient Celtic goddess, and she also, you know, she's the patron goddess of, of the environment and animals and, most importantly, gemstones. And she, she's also a patron goddess of horses. So, But um, aside from that, Whenever she does work with specifically animals and nature, uh, the environment, and this is this is the part that um, is really out of character for me, but I see a lot of Saint Francis around her, and Saint Francis is the patron saint of the environment and animals. And what I find also interesting is I do feel that you know she did have a bit of a, a difficult time. Um, coming out of the closet, so to speak, you know, with her abilities and, and getting going with a shop and her services. So he, St. Francis has been around her for, I feel, her entire lifetime, in this lifetime, because he also helps in situations where family and friends don't quite understand choices that a person makes or their spiritual path. So I, I see those two uh, ascended masters around her very strongly. Miss Lisa Caza, thank you so much for your real thorough and in-depth analysis on Miss Lisa McGarity. And to learn more about Miss Lisa Caza and to get a reading done with Miss Lisa Caza, please go to our website at lisacaza.com. Thank you so much, Miss Caza. Thank you again, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes tonight's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our featured guests. And truly great friend that I love so much, Miss Lisa McGarity. Special thanks to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Constance Stellis, and Miss Lisa Caza. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care and thank you so much for listening.